When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you. Appreciate you, Giancarlo. I want to say a big thank you to Giancarlo and the Atlanta Watch Society. Thank you for joining us today. Can everybody hear me okay? We good? Awesome. Um, so I want to first introduce some of the gentlemen here on the panel with us. Um, I'd like to introduce Al from Official CP Time, Al NCQ. Uh, <laughs> I give another big shout out to DJ Allen, the owner of Watch Your Wrist, who is sponsoring us this evening. <laughs> Just to note, we, he does have watches for sale. Some of you guys have already checked them out, uh, but the guys are over there representing and they brought some heavy hitters. So if you saw them before, didn't get to see them yet, afterwards, you'll have another chance to check them out. Um, also want to introduce a dear friend of mine and uh, amazing watch collector, Ronaldo Nehemiah, who is local to the, the Atlanta area. Thank you for joining us. I want to give another shout out to Encanto Suites for catering this, this evening. Thank you so much. <laughs> and uh, we'll get right into it. So, gentlemen, uh, here we are. Um, you know, it's, what's interesting is when you get the opportunity to participate in, in events like this, I was just talking uh, to a gentleman about it who was saying, you know, when I, when I got into watches, I felt like I was the only one. I felt like, you know, there wasn't uh, a place for me to express my passion about timepieces with my friends because they weren't as passionate uh, about, about my hobby as, as I was. And since, you know, falling into the watch community and finding a group like Atlanta Watch Society or, or CP Time, he now feels like he has a home. One of the first questions uh, I wanted to talk about and start with was, um, the importance of collector communities. Um, how do they make a difference exactly? What, what is their role? Al, you wanna chime in? Uh, yeah, so um, Al Coombs, thank you guys, first of all, and foremost uh, for coming. This, this is uh, our dream and, and it means a lot that everybody's in this room. You could be doing a number of things on a Saturday, uh, Saturday, a number of things on a Saturday, but the fact <laughs> that you're spending time with us is dope. Um, I think communities like this are important because 
um, the as as beautiful as these devices are uh, to have a a topic that can connect you with really good people is important, uh, especially in a climate like that we're in today. Um, it is it is nice to sit there and be able to see somebody's particular uh, particular uh, taste in watches, uh, to be able to just celebrate in their victories, to get to know why they collect what they collect. Um, and I think I think uh, spaces like these are important. It's also important to understand why people collect and how that changes the reasons why you collect. Uh, some people like myself, I collect for legacy. My, my goal is to find forever pieces, uh, even pieces that they, I think they're forever and later they're not. But the goal is to constantly refine that collection. Uh, and a big part of that is, is connecting those pieces to memories. So that is, uh, you know, my value to it. But certain people have other values. I have friends who collect watches like artwork. Right. They, they don't wear them a lot, but it's like having a Mona Lisa in your house and it gives them that level of peace. So there's no right or wrong reason to collect, but it is important to find a group of people that will celebrate the reason why you do this in a, in a room where it can just be nothing but positivity. I want to uh, ask, you know, you, you, you talked about sort of creating the culture that goes along with um, having that community. You and CQ launched uh, CP Time together. What was it uh, that you didn't see or that you thought there was an opportunity to not only capitalize on, but, you know, that void to fill? What was it that you guys were intent on, on bringing to, to the watch community? Yeah, I'm going to let you answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a good question. Thank you again, everybody, for coming here. Um, I think, you know, for us, there was just nothing, no group that looked like us at mm -hmm. the time. So, I mean, we started... I, like an Instagram group. We just say, hey, do you think we should do this? Do you think there's something like this? You started this Instagram group and it just, you know, ballooned into something amazing. So many people, we've done events all over. And it's all about, you know, like Perry was saying in the beginning, kind of finding your home away from home when collecting watches. And, you know, there's so many great experiences. And uh, in the interview I said earlier, what I like about communities is about amplifying your experience of collecting, Right. It's fun, it's amazing to collect watches on your own, but when you can share experiences with each other, learn from other people's mistakes, see other people's successes, give yourself other goals, I think it just changes the whole experience of collecting watches. And then forget the watches, just the people, the networking. I remember you know, our first few events, people kept coming, coming to us and say, how do you, um, how do you uh, screen? How do you yes. pick who's in the group? And then I looked at the person and said, I've never even thought about this. It's just naturally the people who've come to these groups for whatever reason, I've just been all good people with good hearts. You just want to have a good time and uh, talk yeah. watches. Our first year I spoke, and I think, I think we got to like 2,000 people on the, on the page, uh, unless it was a bot. And I, I spoke to plenty of bots. <laughs> yeah. and I had to learn the hard way about bots. But uh, I think I spoke to almost every single person who, who followed just to ask them what their, their interests were. And it was a lot of positive feedback. Even a lot of the initial negative feedback in terms of developing you know, which started out just kind of as a, 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 block, a black watch collector club, which anybody can join to something that's just been more of an inclusive club, um, you know, having to answer that question a lot, which is, well, I guess, you know, through the lens of, of, of black culture, we've, we've experienced that we don't feel like we belong. Well, we wanted to create something where everybody belonged. And, and so it's the, the page itself has evolved into something that I... Um, I couldn't have predicted no. <laughs> at, at all. Um, and, and we've just created, we've met so many dope people from so many dope places. We had a meetup in Ghana. I mean, <laughs> you know, they, they were like, we want to host you. And yeah. I said, okay. And so we, we went and meeting 
meeting people from around the world to, to do this. Um, I mean, we're going to sit up here and hopefully not bore you talking up here, but then later we're all going to meet. There's going to be people that become friends as a result of things yeah. like this, which is that's the victory here. Uh, you know, somebody's godfather is in this room. Yeah. You're just meeting tonight for the first time. And that's not hyperbole. That's that's a that's a fact. And so that's a victory for us. And that's something long after we're gone. Uh, we hope that continues. So, you know, so one of the other questions I wanted to ask is, you know, you, you, you guys have been doing this for a couple of years now, traveling to all these places. Um, it's very easy to get overwhelmed. It's easy to kind of lose your sense of mission when you're pursuing, uh, you know, anything like, you know, of this magnitude. How is it, are you guys, um, how are you measuring impact exactly? Like, how do you know you, you're making a difference? What, what are you looking for exactly? Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. yeah it does. Um, I would say the friendships. Mm -hmm. How many people here hopped on a flight to get here? Yeah. Insane. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Shout out thank to you. Applause. Yes. Um, so, uh, how many people here, this is their first event? Nice. <laughs> yeah. So th these these are things that uh, aren't aren't normal. Uh, so that there there there's something positive there. So I we may not be able to measure it directly, mm. but we know that every day if if we impact one person in a positive way and they affect somebody else in a positive way, that's yeah. great. Also, too, if we help somebody get an awesome watch, yep. and as a result <laughs> they have a good experience. That's a win for the brand. That's a win for our club. That's a win for the person. Mm. You know, I, I'm looking around at many people that we've helped get watches and, uh, you know, they wear them proudly on their wrist. They yeah. love to talk about it. They can't wait to show us. Some of them where they say, look, don't post it, but I just want to show you this new watch I got. Yeah. That's just as much of a win for us as anything. Yeah. So. You made a mention of, um, you know, connecting people with brands. Uh, I, question for DJ Allen. Uh, in terms of bridging the gap between collectors and brands I'm, I'm sure that you know from a collective community we could talk about this too but you as you know sort of a, a independent retailer dealer um why is connectivity uh so important between brands and collectors i mean i think the the first thing is that we were talking about how it can um just get it can get hard and you feel like you're out of touch with the brands and yeah. i think that that starts with your local ad mm -hmm. um you know, I think that most of the collectors in general, um, you know, they shuffle stuff around. They, you know, you get into the brands and you get in and you buy a lot of stuff to start out. And uh, and then you start to see, OK, like I haven't worn this watch in a while. Um, you start to figure out what you like and and then you narrow in, you know, to your point, you narrow in very, very narrow. on like, OK, this is what I like. This is what I enjoy. Mm -hmm. And I think um, the, the closer you can get and the more resources you can have, whether that be an authorized dealer or a gray market dealer to where you can kind of uh, meet the people, uh, educate yourself and and learn, then I think that's when, you know, you'll start to have better relationships. You'll start to have more fun collecting um, and you'll start to kind of, I think everybody has a different uh, path. You right. know, I think, you know, you're not going to just get in and know exactly what you're going to do. So, you know, I think that, the intent behind it is very important um, from people like us. You know, I think gray market dealers in general sometimes get a bad rap because a lot of us, myself included, started out as like buying and selling watches and they get labeled as a flipper or whatever the case may be. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're very passionate about 
collecting. We're very passionate about watches. We're very passionate about helping clients and educating clients, whether they shop with us or shop with somebody else. So um, I think to bridge that gap is find the people in your corner. Um, if, you're, if your local authorized dealer is that person, great. Mm. You know, if there's a gray market dealer in your city or if we can be that person, great, even if you don't shop with us, educate yourself so you can be, you can enter into watch collecting safely yeah. and, and not get burned or, so. Good point. And CQ, you along Al, you guys often uh, have held events in partnership and collaboration with brands. Why is that important? Uh, well, I think that's important because I think that's something brands themselves right now have been so disconnected from the end consumer, right? I think, you know, for a long time, brands use ADs, had AD, ADs doing all the work of connecting with clients. A lot of brands went straight to boutiques, mono brand boutiques now. So a lot of them never really knew how to interact with certain people. Yes, you know how to take care of a very high-level network people. What about the entry-level person who just wants to know about the first watch, the first right. starter experience? So I think you know what we've been able to do is just approach brands and say, hey, let's just have the event. And you know, us, Atlanta Watch Society, have done a great job of this, and many other gr uh, groups as well. They're just saying, hey, we have a bunch of people who just want to learn. Mm -hmm. Can they come and learn? And brands have just been like, oh my God, yes, please, because... They honestly just don't know how to do it anymore because it's been so long, just the business has changed. So a lot of these marketing people who are in these brands don't even know watches as much. Yeah. Sometimes, many times, I think all of us have met somebody who's in a very super high position and you talk to them for two seconds, oh, you're not a watch guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, like, oh. like damn, you know, like, like if I had a kid, he'd probably know by the time he's two more than you, right? Yeah. So I think it's very important for groups like us to push these brands to have events to just educate the people and show them, hey, this is how you talk to consumers, right? We're not going to, you know, that's why companies like yours do so well because people just want to touch watches, mm -hmm. talk to people, have a good time, right? And at the end of the day, the more we can show brands the power of that, I think we'll just see more and more great opportunities pop up. I also think with uh, brands, because of, and this is happening across the board with most high-end things, if you're getting high-end cars or high-end watches, you because they're only releasing so little essentially if you have a watch on you are like a brand ambassador yeah. and that's how they're thinking of all of their clients now so whereas uh i would say the old school way it was like that's how it was yep. it, how much money do you have what do you want let's get this watch where now they're really looking at uh you know the character of a person mm. um th there's a oh, i won't mention the name of the brand but there was a watch brand where uh they had reached out to me and they wanted to know about me before even you know, before even offering a watch. And it wasn't a proof to me that you want this watch. No, they were genuinely curious mm. because they know only a select few people will wear this watch. Yeah. And we want somebody who's going to represent this watch well. Uh, well. Um, now, some people may like that, some people not. And, you know, it's, it's, it's supply and demand. Uh, but I like it because it encourages people to be good people. You know, yeah, don't yeah. be a jerk when you walk into a place. <laughs> and I think that's a good lesson for everybody. But it also... Anything that causes you to reflect on why, what somebody thinks about you, uh, whether good, bad, or ugly, I think is healthy. You yeah. know, so um, you know you have to think about it. if you're wearing a Rolex, if you're wearing an AP, especially if you're wearing like a Moser or Jorn, something mm. where they're having these small batches. Uh, the the watchmaker they may not know your name, but they could probably get in contact with you very quickly if yeah. they wanted yeah. to. Uh, so. You know, you, you walk around a bit different. Like, yeah. I, I'm, I probably won't have five drinks in Atlanta wearing an FB Jorn because if something bad happens, <laughs> they'll be like the guy with the FB Jorn. So, you know, I think that's, you know, anybody can benefit from that. 
Um, so yeah, I, I do think they, they really are concerned about who is collecting these pieces, which mm. I, I personally like. You know, it's funny. I had a I had a question that I was going to follow up with, but you guys actually answered it. And one of the things I was thinking about was, you know, especially coming from your perspective as a, as a collective community, how do you ensure um, that the trade off between brand and and um, community members are balanced? But what I'm hearing from the two of you is, you know, a what the the brand gets is they get an ambassador, and what the community gets is an education. And I think that's so key. And I think that's really interesting because you know, we have a friend of mine here uh, who's on the panel with us this evening, Ronaldo Nehemiah. And when I think about what you gather from brands, education, those moments when you get to bring everyone into the room, it's not just the education you're getting from the brand. You're getting the education from one another as well. You know, this is a man, he's a, he's a stylist here in, in Atlanta uh, for some of the most popular people you've heard of. In addition to that, he's the creative director for OTE, but he's also a watch collector with a, a pretty specific focus who's educated me a great deal. I want you to elaborate a little bit on what your focus is in terms of building your collection. Um, yes, yeah, so my focus is quartz watches. Um, I fell in love with quartz watches because I think I'm around rappers and entertainers all the time, and everybody got the same watch. All of my friends, now they got all the same watch. They might be fake. They might be not. They don't even know. <laughs> but um, <laughs> and like Perry was saying, is I always been the one that always naturally go left. Um, and when I started getting into watches, I remember I, I sent the email to Mr. John Claude uh, Beaver back in oh six oh five. I think I still got the the email that I said. I think that Hublot should get into partnering with rappers and you should look at my brother Ludacris um, as being someone that you partner with. I remember this email and I still got it. The response was Ludacris at the time was not our demographic that we were going to. And four or five years later, they did a brand ambassador deal with Ludacris here in Atlanta when they opened a Hublot store. And I looked at it and I said, yo, that's kind of like a cool moment because he did, he wasn't aware and it wasn't his fault. But then when the hip hop business started taking over, mm. they started reaching back out to rappers. So then it leads into, all right, but now I'm into these watches now and I like these things. But then what is the cool thing? Yeah. Fucking day. I remember people say Rolex never had watches with batteries in them. And one day I came across the Orson. <laughs> and they was like, yeah, this is a Rolex with a battery in it. I'm like, what? And so then I go down the rabbit hole. Um, I'm an extremist. So when I get into something, I don't half step nothing. I go directly all the way all in. And I research every watch brand that made a quartz watch. When I started to look at it, Patek made it, AP made it, Rolex made it, IWC made it, everybody. So then what I went to go do, I said, well, listen. I'm about to go buy every quartz wash that ever was made <laughs> by all of these folks. And randomly, when I found the oyster cord, I went and brought the rose gold oyster cord. I went and met the um, white gold oyster cord. My Berthier, this presidential one. I went and brought the stainless one. I went and brought the two-tone one. Then I went to AP. I went and brought all of their quartz that they had. Then I went to Patetic. I got a Patetic. I went. I got an Aquanaut. I got a Lip. I got almost every one. Then I went to Piaget. I got the presidential day date. P&J, I went to all of them. So then when I got in the room, 
with watch collectors that look at me like, oh, he's covered in tattoos. He don't know nothing. I just showed you the holy grail of all of these watches. <laughs> now I'm in a room with nobody that got the same thing. And the cool story was how I got close with John Mayer because he walked off stage one day and I had on this uh, obstacle. And he was like, yo, what you know about that? Me and him sat in the back of the Coca-Cola Roxy for three hours and talked about watches. And every time he comes to Atlanta, I go take him a new watch that I got. And it just that mystique of I know I'm going to sit in the room and nobody has the same watch that I had. on. And then the first time I met my brother name over here was meant by um, Perry. I wore my Hublot service watch. That's another one that nobody ain't got. Not for sale. Yeah, not for sale. Yeah. Yeah. I walked in. Yeah, I had the knob. I, I wear it every day. The not for sale watch that nobody had. And I always just like the rarest thing. So then the education of it is I say, yo, listen, this is the cool part. Yeah, the automatics and then another thing. I'm a small guy. I only wear 36 millimeters. So I'm very into you cannot sway me to buy anything outside of a car, a, a, a quartz watch besides the Cartier crash watch. There's nothing. You can show me the holy grail of everything. I would not move off of it because everybody's going to have it. But nobody's going to have a quartz watch. Yeah. And they don't make them like I think, you know, the, the cool thing about that is it, it kind of furthers the point that you were taking in terms of the possibilities with with education through engaging other watch collectors, because it's very easy to to enter a space um, with a group of people who collect watches or even yourself. Maybe you're at a, a specific part in your watch collecting journey and you feel like, you know, a lot. Maybe you feel like, you know, everything. And then all of a sudden someone comes along, you engage in a conversation with them and completely derails you. And you have to witness something that you never even considered. Like how many people actually knew that Patek made quartz watches? That some of these brands, you know, you think about the, the big three, right? The Holy Trinity, that they actually ventured off into producing quartz watches with the exception to Blanc Don, of course, because yeah. we know <laughs> what Byron said, they'll never produce a quartz watch. Um, so the possibilities are, 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 are limitless. You know, I think uh, I'm also interested to hear your perspective because you're also one of the watch collectors that I actually look up to. I think your collection is pretty, pretty amazing. I mean, this, <laughs> I mean, if we look at that right yes. there, right? What is, you know, because you're also coming from, uh, um, Ronaldo has a very specific focus and it seems like your focus is just a little more broad. You now own a quartz watch, but you have automatic watches, you have complications, et cetera. What is it? Um, how would you describe your focus in collecting your approach? So I, I spend a, I'm very hesitant to buy. Uh, I will sit on watches, uh, and some know this about me, some don't, but I will sit on a watch for like five years mm. and, and just really think about, uh, I, I often say this, okay, you go to your watch box, you open it up. Why would you put this on? And if I, if I lose, if I don't have a reason for it, then I find a way to uh, either consolidate that watch or gift that watch. Um, and, and I find that uh, I have a level of peace when I do that because I don't want something to just sit and doesn't have a purpose. Um, so there's a lot of pieces that I've gotten where I've really kind of pushed the limit of what fits my style. And sometimes I'm, uh, I, I don't want to say disappointed, but sometimes I learn something new about myself. And then sometimes I, I, I fall in love with the piece that I never thought I'd fall in love with. Um, uh, Paddock makes a watch, uh, 5320. Um, it's if uh, they have an olive dial. It's a perpetual calendar. 
it has like a slight sporty flair, but it's a formal watch. And I own no formal watches. And at the time, it was the most expensive watch that I ever looked at. I consulted with all my friends, you know, everybody. I would listen to any idea about it. And after about maybe eight months, I, I pulled the trigger on this watch. Mm. Funny thing about it is I bought it. I don't know if you remember Peter, yeah, but a guy discontinued two yeah, days yeah, later. Yeah. And he's like, who told you? And I said, I don't know. And so <laughs> the whole point is I went with my gut. And I love that watch. I mean, that is something where anytime I put it on, uh, I've talked about this in one of the articles, I kind of sit up a little bit straighter. Like I, I feel a bit more like an adult because it's my only formal watch. Um, there are other pieces that I've gotten into. Um, I bought a uh, titanium Royal Oak Offshore. And I said, I wanted something different. I wanted something, a light material. We talked yeah, about it on the yeah. podcast. And I, I buy this watch. I, I put it on my wrist. Really comfortable. I keep staring at it because the size bothers me, right? And so after about a week, my wife says, if you ask me if that watch is too big one more time, like I'm going <laughs> to scream. And, and what I learned is that it wasn't for me. And so about maybe six months prior to that, I was determined that this was a new direction I was going to go in, just mm. the big ultra sport like I can, you know, run around. There's a funny video of me playing soccer in this watch. Uh, thank you, by the way, for taking it back after I was playing soccer with my son with it. But, um, but I, I learned that it wasn't for me. So I said, okay, I love the material. I love the feeling of it. Um, I didn't like the size. Mm. So what did that land me a couple of years later? Uh, Elegante. Mm. I mean, it's essentially, it's like a slim, thin quartz, you know, uh, offshore. And, and that's, it, it, fits, it fits me perfectly. So if I didn't experience that that AP offshore, I wouldn't have known that I would have fell in love with the, the Elegante. So, uh, and those are just, you might, as I'm talking, you might be thinking of examples in your life, but like I said, before even buying a watch, uh, except for tonight, tonight buy everything. But before, <laughs> before buying a watch, you know, whatever you have, your watch box, your safe, your world, open it up, say, okay, I have a date with my, my wife or, or a date with my husband or I have a work or I have an interview. I open my role. Why do I go to this watch? And if you don't have a scenario for that watch, bless someone else with it, whether it's selling it, consolidating it, or giving it away. Uh, I give away a lot of pieces and, um, and, and I do it, I, I get the most joy out of that. Um, I'm at a point now where I can give away a piece and it's not like a, it's not dire straits. Uh, Alex, made I gave Alex a watch at what? He was 19 years old. I don't know where that watch is. Uh, it was a U-bid watch, it's like 98 bucks. But um, at the time, you know, that was a big deal. But I really, you know, that's my brother. I played ball with him. I wanted to give him something because I knew he also loved watches. Uh, and all these years later, you know, th that forges a, a tight friendship. So um, I, I like to, to give away, but find a reason for a watch. If you don't have a reason for it, I suggest move on for it. If it gives you peace just looking at it in the case, then keep it. Mm. But the moment it serves no purpose, you know, like, like your your daily beater, your watch that you're ready to get rid of is somebody else's grail. That 5320 I bought used, that person didn't want it. That is like one of my grail watches right now. So uh, long story, long answer long. <laughs> no, <it's good>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to say, you know, if you ever want to consider giving away your 5712, <laughs> I can assure if you pass it here, you'll be very happy. Um, but you, you, you brought up an interesting scenario, right? Talking about sort of reshaping your collection and how your collection changes as you move forward as a collector. And it brings up a question to mind that I actually wanted uh, to touch on with DJ Allen. Um, 
because I think as you as you go along this journey of watch collecting, you probably you're going to move in and out of certain pieces. Right. And then that brings up the whole conversation of flipping. How do you view flipping versus trading up, as we say? I mean, I think it's a it goes back to an intention thing. Mm -hmm. um, some people, especially the past couple of years, have gotten into watch collecting just because it's something to make a quick buck. Yeah. Um, a lot of younger people, especially. Um, and that's that's starting to go away again and get back to a normal. So, I mean, I think the difference between flipping and trading up is it just goes back to intention. And and there's there's stuff that people realize that they like that might be discontinued, too. Yeah. So, I mean, if they have something and it's, you know, and they just get a titanium offshore and they pay retail and maybe the market's over a little bit, is it is it a bad thing that they that they traded it in for, let's say, a 39 millimeter that they don't make anymore, a stainless steel watch? You know, it, it like is a bad thing if they made a little bit of money on it. Yeah. I mean, I I don't see that to be the case. And mm -hmm. I think that that goes back to, um, you know, the, the people that are around you. I mean, there's there's tons of really cool modern uh you know, new releases out there, but then there's also stuff that, you know, you might get a new release and you think you love it. And then if you don't, there may be money to be made on it. Great. There, you might lose your butt on it to get out of it. Yeah. Like that's the other, that's the flip side to it. Too. So like, you know, at the end of the day, I think it comes back to an intention and, and enjoying uh, and figuring out what you like and sticking, sticking to that. And, and don't, don't vary. I mean, we were, we were talking about this, earlier I've, mm. I've declined a lot of watches from an ad from the ad recently that i could have easily sold in 24 hours through my business because i know I, i'm i know i'm gonna get it and immediately sell it so like it's not it's not all about that and i like to try and keep my authorized dealer relationship you know uh pure yeah. also <laughs> um yeah until they find out i do this with I don't know when that'll happen, but yeah. maybe um, after this, this, yeah. this, <laughs> this will probably be the weekend. Yeah. But I mean, um, to those people out there, I've declined a lot of watches. So, you know, <laughs> but I think it just comes back to the intention hmm. and buying what you like, and and if you don't like it, trade it. Yeah. As a general rule, too, make sure you have an open conversation. So if you yeah. buy a piece that you are unhappy with, um, I, I, I point to CQ, but there, there have been times where I bought uh, watches from Watchbox, and times I bought watches from authorized dealers. And um, I've, I've had the conversation like, hey, I, I just I don't love it. I'm sorry. And if you have that conversation, I don't know a single authorized dealer that would say, no, you have to keep that watch for X amount of time. So just make sure you have transparency. Uh, remember, they're people, too, like like their their job. They also want to make you happy. I'll, I'll, I'll cut in. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. But also when that when that happens, I think that you do have an obligation. Sometimes they may. Most authorized dealers don't have a, the ability to trade back in a watch. So you do have an obligation to protect them. There's a lot of red tape in authorized dealers. Um, you know, and a lot of people don't know the way to sell a watch um, safely without making it seem like you had bad intentions. Mm -hmm. You know, you get a Daytona at retail that you're going to make double money on it. And you're just like, it's just too small for me. It doesn't work for me. Be careful the way that you move that watch. You know, be respectful to your authorized dealer. That's something we try and be very cautious about on where did the watch come from? How long have you had it? And, and just keep that in mind. Yeah, no, fair point. And, um, you know, continuing on to talk about watch collecting and, and enhancing your collection, if you were moving through pieces, I want to I want to get an answer from each one of you uh, on this. Um, what are some of the well, is there a right or wrong way to collect? And 
what are some of the mistakes you might have made early on as a as a collector? Uh, whichever one of you want to take that first. You are? okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it still haunts me to this day. Okay. Um, <laughs> it was this Everose Yacht Master. Oh. That <laughs> I always wanted, man. And I and I remember I hit Perry about it, and I was like, "Yo, bro, I finally gonna get this watch." And it was beautiful in the window and all of that stuff. And somebody came across and said, "Yo, you got? I can sell you this watch for thirty thousand dollars." I brought the watch for thirty thousand dollars. I wore it maybe like three or four times, and that it happened. I started I looking back at my wrist. Just ain't it. It's like <laughs> automatic. I'm like ah, and I took a ten thousand dollar L on that watch. Yeah, I took a ten thousand dollar L, and I mean I just gave it back. I didn't even feel no. I didn't even. It didn't even bother me that I took a ten thousand dollar L. I was just happy that I just got the watch out of my collection. Just wasn't for you. Yeah, it just wasn't for me. But I always thought looking at this watch and this glass, and when it was behind the glass, and I couldn't grab it and put it on my wrist and walk out the door drive around in my cars and stuff, I realized I didn't, it wasn't me. Mm. And I realized that moment, I realized I could never go back to an automatic or manual again. <laughs> I'm a course guy. So. That's just who you are. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's my story. About yeah. it. What would, about you guys? I would say um, maybe not, uh, or I'd say the mistake on my end is selling some of my first pieces. Okay. You know, like, I think I got into it maybe just to get into it. And, yeah. And then I feel like later on, you really start to care a little mm. bit more than right off the bat. You just maybe doing it because somebody else has a watch or whatever. So I'd say slowing down. And then I'd also say just buying a little bit of everything, like, just kind of like, yeah, that's cool. You know, yeah, that's cool. And then you, and then you look up and you have half the collection that you don't really care about. Mm. And, and then, uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't think there's a right or wrong way. I think that a lot of people go through that. They all have their own their own path that they get into. Some people are super slow and they never pull the trigger on anything and they yeah. don't get a chance to enjoy a lot of stuff. And then like myself, I'm very spontaneous. So I just like, yeah, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. And then I'm like, what am I doing? Like I don't really care about half of these, but mm. it's a mistake for me. CQ, I'm curious about you. Um because you see a lot of pieces. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, there's no right or wrong way as as long as you're collecting your way, right? Okay. You're pulling the trigger, it should be your decision. Um, I think we have two great examples of two different watch collecting strategies. And I love yours so much because you fell into quartz, right? Yeah. But then you fell into this amazing ocean. There's so many amazing quartz watches yeah. that people will just never look at mm -hmm. because they're like, oh, it's quartz. I don't want quartz. But you got Paddock Beta 21 or something. You could, you could list an encyclopedia of amazing quartz watches. And one day you just said, why not? I just want to go against the grain. You have another good collector who's only collecting vintage ladies Cartier. Mm -hmm. And when he first told me that, I was like, that's kind of, I don't oh, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. But when you see the collection he's put together in, I don't know, maybe six, seven months, it's like, these are all amazing watches. And maybe I'm a big guy, kind of wear everything, but it's made me look at vintage watches. Oh, maybe, maybe I want to take it a try, right? And I'll, I'll just put my bad experience with, with taking somebody's advice, had an opportunity to get a 45th anniversary Snoopy at, at dealer cost. And somebody just said, hey, it might be too small for you. And I just, I hesitated. And by the time it finally came in, and I saw it. They were all sold out. And I could have probably got it for, I don't know, 6000 And I mm. peaked at like a $50,000 watch. Uh -huh. And I remember 
just watching that watch go from like a ten thousand dollar watch to a fifteen thousand to sixteen to like thirty forty, and I'm just like, yeah, that hurts. I probably wouldn't have <laughs> sold it. Maybe I would because money is money. But like, man, I would have just looked on that watch and I could have get it. But I let somebody get in my head and just kind of disrupt my whole thought process. Mm-hmm. And that's my thing is like, you know, I give a lot of advice. Don't listen to me. At the end of the day, you work hard for your money. You're you're the one who should pull the trigger. So that's the only wrong way. If you're letting somebody else pull the trigger for you, you're collecting wrong. But if you're doing it yourself, you're finding your watch. Every watch you, you buy is not going to be a watch you love. You're going to move on from it. But as long as you can say, like with your experience, you took a $10,000 loss, but you know why you didn't feel bad? Because you wanted that watch. Yeah. Nobody told you to buy that watch. So if you took a big loss, like, hey, it hurts financially, like, you can kind of move on from that. Sometimes you, you buy a watch that somebody else kind of force you into. Then when you take that big loss, you feel like yeah. the world is coming down because you never even wanted the watch in the first place. Mm-hmm. So you're taking an emotional loss and a financial loss. So it's like, it just it's all bad. So my thing is like, you're the one who worked for the money. You pull the trigger. So that's... Nice I mean, it's following most of the same sentiments. I think there's no wrong way to do it. I think uh, anything that brings you joy and doesn't harm anyone is 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 great. Um, in terms of the mistakes, I you know, I, I would like to call them learning lessons versus mistakes, because I, I believe if you are at a point in whatever it is, whether it's watches or any place in life, if you're at the point where you want to be, then those decisions that you made in the past uh, brought you to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's a lot of those missteps, like one step back, which takes you a hundred steps forward. Um, so it would be hard to classify them as mistakes. Uh, there's things that were silly. So the, the first watch I bought was, um, a tag you, a Carrera, I split up among three credit cards in St. Lucia, uh, <laughs> after buying a $500 watch flying down and promising, uh, my, my now wife, then girlfriend that I wasn't going to buy a watch on the way back. That was, yeah, that was like, you know, that's a silly thing to do. Um, I, I remember a, a good friend of mine where I actually bought my first Rolex, which is a Rolex mill gas. I bought it used. Um, I remember buying that watch and like him having to like call the credit card company cause I wasn't supposed to be in there cause it was over the phone. And, and it was just kind of, I was like, man, this is a really silly thing to do. If I don't, if I have to do all this, maybe I shouldn't get it. But fast forward, I remember buying uh, a 5960, which is the uh, stainless steel paddock flyback chronograph. Mm. And I remember making the call and they're like, Tony, let's do it. And, and he was like, you know, I'm so proud of you. He's like, you've had so many credit card problems since I've known you. <laughs> I'm so happy now that we can just buy things and we don't have to call. And, and, and I was, you know, I, we, I had to laugh just because it's like you, you see the evolution of where you are. Mm. Um, I don't know anybody here who's ever played Grand Theft Auto, but like Grand Theft Auto, you start with a, a tank top and a bike, yeah. right? And by the end, you're like crashing Ferraris and new Ferraris. And, and uh, you know, so I kind of think of like the watch journey is almost like a Grand Theft Auto or, or like a Scarface movie. And, and so like, you're just going to build and build and build. Uh, but, but unlike those, you want to make sure that you find a place where you're at peace. Right. Um, and that piece doesn't mean you don't buy any more watches, but you kind of understand why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, and so that you're not, you're not just doing things aimlessly. Understanding why you're doing what you're doing, I think is a, is a, is a great segue to my next question, which is, you know, once you start down this hobby, we always kind of refer to it as a rabbit hole, right? Cause you just keep falling. Um, what is it that, you know, you guys are trying to achieve with your watch collection? 
Oh, you look yeah. like you got something to say. <laughs> yeah, I I could be a very vulnerable with everybody. I fall down rabbit holes all the time. It goes from art to cars to watch. Those are my three rabbit holes that I mm-hmm. go all the way down with. Um, I think I just have a badass court collection. Okay, then I could just I could go to the holy grail of like I guess white collectors. And mm. just kick everybody ass. I'm like, I know you're going to It's like being the Tom Brady or like courts watchers, man. Or like, or like the Michael Jordan, Bill Russell of like sports. It's like, I want to like, when you think about courts watchers. You want to be thought about. I'm the holy grail of the guy that got all the courts <laughs> So, but I think honestly with that is also to educate men and, and women that, you know, the cool factor of, Creating, uh, collecting the unexpected. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's just like my different personalities from my cars. I drove yeah. my '88 Fox body today. Yeah, that you know what I'm saying. That and then some days when I want to drive my C10, it's like it's just a different cool factors to it. But then I could educate you on it, like why this young man from Miami, Florida, decided to collect this random shit. Yeah, and 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 be cool about it. And that's all it is, actually, just to educate people at the owner. Yeah, that's just really what it is. What about yourself? I so um, and CQ knows this because he hears this. I have a very stressful day job, and <laughs> it is um, and all my passion and everything goes into it. And most of you know me know that as soon as my job is done, I'm with my kids, and I throw everything into my kids. Watches are the only thing in life that is 100 percent for me now there's a lot of things that i try to and even with that i try to like spread and give you know like this like this is you know this is uh we're honored to have people coming but this is a lot of work for us to do so whenever i think about my collection i it's like when i open that box is peace mm. right and um or even when like i see my dad wear one of my watches peace mm. and and so that's kind of my goal is that where i just i i have a calm whereas everything isn't just go 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 mm. um and so that's, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily ever going to like stop. Uh, I, I don't see myself retiring in any of these things, whether it's watches, dentistry uh, or any of the other stuff other than sports. That's the only thing I, will, I can't go back to doing. Uh, I really, you know, I really put my all in everything. So having that piece is I just know that's when I, you know, enjoy the most. And I'm hoping that when it's all said and done and, you know, it's uh, whatever last days, um, I can say, okay, you know, I did everything I wanted in this, um, and, I, and I'm happy with what I did. Yeah. Um, yeah. So very similar to like sports. Like when I, when I did play sports in college, I felt that, uh, when I took off my helmet for the last time, I did everything I could possibly do. There was nothing more that I could do. And, and I, I hung it up, uh, which is why like most people didn't even know I played college football until like a, yeah. a week ago. <laughs> so, All of them. <laughs> yeah. so, because I felt that peace. I was like, I did it. That's it. Um, and, and I, I hope everybody does find that, that piece the, the antsiness is fun, right? That, that anxiousness is fun and, and you want to enjoy that. It's the race, but at some point the race has to stop or you have to be happy with wherever the race is. Mm. Um, and, and that's, you know, I guess that's my perspective. I like what you said about being happy where the race ends. Um, we got into a conversation the other day. Um, you, you visited your school mm. recently with your dad and uh, got to sort of reminisce on your time playing football. And we got into a conversation talking about this idea that you came up called your forever watch. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I want to ask all of you, what does that mean to you? And if, if Overwatch is sort of like, I guess, your grail, right? Like the grailiest of your grails, uh, the watch you'll have forever. Is there such a thing? Is there is there a watch that can make it all? And it's like, this is the one. This is my forever watch. Yeah. CQ, what about you? Uh, uh, I'll take it. Um, <laughs> okay. So for me, my forever watch and my ultimate grail, if I only had to have one watch, it would probably be a Patek Philippe 5960R uh, black dial. So annual oh, calendar, wow. rose gold, okay. um, chronograph, black dial. And I just remember it. I'm a bigger guy, right? I was bigger before. And that was just the first paddock I put on. It just felt right. You know what I mean? Like everything about it. I love complications. It has a chronograph. And it just looked and felt like this is a watch, you know, that when I'm ready to pull that trigger, I could have that one watch. I probably won't because like everybody else said, I want to have a bunch. But if somebody said, hey, you can only have one. If the wife said, hey, one, that would be the one I think wow. it could do good in any situation. I think there's great heritage there. I think you have a lot of fun with straps and every time somebody asks you like what's your grail watch to this day from the day i first held that watch it pops in first mm. so I, you know there's no reason for me to alan what about you i would say uh my grail watch i, have, I really have two the one i can't afford i have over there um, <laughs> black ceramic Ooh. perpetual skeleton yeah Ooh. that's serious um, that, if you haven't seen it you, yeah, guys, you, might, you may never see that again yeah i really like okay. we weren't gonna bring it it sold right before uh yesterday late yesterday and i was planning on bringing it and i'm like okay we're gonna bring it we're just gonna be very careful with it but um that that's the the ultimate grail for me but i, I have an artisan's piece of unique being made right now uh, oh wow oh, nice. Daytona. um so that's like my my one yeah for those who don't know now. can you play with artisan does everybody so, know what artisan is yeah yes. raise your hand if you don't i okay all right so it's uh basically you take a, a rolex and you have the ability to um I don't know how easy or not it is, but they had to do like interview. I had to write a bio myself and all kinds of stuff, but they customize it. You can do whatever you want. They have challenges, uh, like challenges, I believe it's called. So they partner with different people. They just did a partnership with John Mayer, uh, which basically they did a modern day skeleton uh, Paul Newman uh, dial where the whole white uh, dial uh, is a loom. Is right? loom. Yeah. yeah. So like you can get as crazy as you want. And they, I've, I've, bought and sold quite a few of the artisans and that's how i kind of started to love them mm. and started to research them i have i've only seen and bought and sold one piece unique um and then the rest have been challenges with these uh famous people but yeah i'm, I'm excited about it. i've been working on it for a little over a year and it's have our have uh wyw on the back of it my initials and one of one that's that's that, i'm very excited for that so that's that kind right. of re-sparked yeah. it for me i had a pretty large collection and like you're saying just kind of got to a point where i'm like i need to consolidate a little bit mm. kept the sentimental sentimental pieces and then that's going to be the the grail for me for quite a while it's a good forever watch yeah wow <laughs> ronaldo uh, i think i know yours but i'll let you share <laughs> i'm gonna find it for you actually yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll find it for me, DJ. i'll have it tuesday <laughs> okay. and, and, it's, and it's an automatic Yes. No. It's, yeah, it's, automatic. <laughs> it's automatic i'm sorry but, but it's, uh, <laughs> the plot twist <laughs> yeah it's the Cartier Crash Watch. Um, I have extended all of my favors through Cartier, myself, through all my famous friends, through everybody. It's like, I have to have this watch. And it came across through a random text message, um, but the price was so astronomical that I was like, nah. But um, yeah, it's the Cartier Crash Watch. Which That's rendition? The London one. Oh. Um, 
Yeah, it was. It was. So those of me that know, you have to just explain yeah, what the. So line. this watch, uh, you can only get it from the Bond London store. Yeah. Um, it's it's only retail at fifty thousand, but it is once it gets to us, it is it's your house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and one guy sent it to me, texted to me on my phone. He was like, "Yo, we've been talking for." He said, "I talked to you three years ago. It came across." He texted me the picture of it without the strap on it. He's like, "It's here without the strap. is coming." And I was like, I can't do that. I just showed DJ and I was like, yo, man. But the Cartier Crash watch is, is my holy grail of all watch. I've seen it one time in person. Really it was on a, and it was on a famous friend of mine. And he probably don't know where the hell is at now. But <laughs> you know, yeah, it, it's, that's it. Al, how about yourself? So I, I think grail watch and forever watch are two different questions. Okay. Because uh, I think the grail watch is going to constantly change um, just because you're going to get a new grail. Uh, I've I, I bought my grail so many times that I don't know what my next grail is going to be. <laughs> so, uh, but in terms of uh, Forever Watch, that's a much simpler question. Uh, and I already have it. It's my uh, Meteorite Daytona. Mm. Uh, Daytona was uh, the first Rolex I ever put on my wrist. It was one of my best friend's dad's watches. And he used to collect these things like it was nothing. And I used to love going to his house to be able to put on this watch and go out to, um, what's that club we went to? Uh, the Fifth in Miami. I don't know if you guys are from Miami, but it's a club called The Fifth in Miami. And just like, I just felt like a king, you know? <laughs> it was like, I mean, I just, I literally felt like the man with it on. You know, you just kind of walk different and you point different. <laughs> and uh, I, I'll never forget that feeling. I, I, I remember I had, uh, I, it was like the old flip phones I had the camera, but I took a photo of it and it was the meteorite daytona and it had red subdials are the red hands on the subdials mm-hmm. and um so you know fast forward I, I just said i don't know how i'm gonna and i say this every for every watch i say i don't know how i'm gonna afford this i don't know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna get this watch mm. and um so you know fast forward years later it's discontinued uh and then rolex came out with the panda daytona and so the panda daytona is um uh, well, I, out of th- those two were the same. I loved the Panda Daytona. It was perfect for me. And fortunately, through one of my best friends, I was able to get it, um, which is very sentimental because it was his first Daytona, steel Daytona that he sold. And I gave that watch to my father. Mm-hmm. So in 2021, a uh, Rolex essentially combined my two favorite Daytonas. They came out with the Meteorite Daytona with the ceramic bezel. Um, and as soon as I saw it, my, my AD who knew the story, knew everything about it, called me at like 4 a.m. I'm up at 4 a.m., so it's not that absurd, but okay. like, he says, don't call me. I already know. I saw it. I'm working on it. And um, I, I didn't bring it up to him again. You know, by the way, if you guys have relationships, don't call ADs. and They know you want the watch. Like, you don't have to bring it up. They're working on it. And, uh, but I literally waited, and it came in. He called me. I waited exactly 13 months for this piece. Um, I took a day off from work, which those who know me, I never take off a day from work. Um, I, I dropped my son off at school. I flew out, picked it up, drove back to pick my son up at school. And uh, the, the, my favorite moments, a lot of people have seen the picture, is my son wearing it. He's like, did we get it? I was like, we got it. We got He's it. just like that. screaming about it. He's like, this one's mine. Samita <laughs> can't have it. This one's mine. And, you know, and so uh, that is my son's meteorite Daytona. Um, which like that's his and that's I will wear that watch until it goes to him. And um, and yeah, so that is my forever watch. That's incredible. Um, this concludes our panel discussion this evening. I want to thank you four gentlemen for 
for joining us oh. up here. <laughs> and we're gonna do a little. Oh yeah! Oh, yeah. So we, okay. facts. We have to have our honorary wrist check. I almost forgot. Oh. Um, Ronaldo, you want to kick it off? What are you wearing? Yeah, I'm wearing my birth year, 1983, Rolex Oscar Court Presidential. They date. Yeah, this is my actually my birth year, which is uh my oldest daughter. That's the trick part. I have three daughters, mm -hmm. so I gotta go and find two more. Oh, all God bless you, bro. <laughs> God bless you. Yeah. Oh, so, but my oldest daughter, she gets this one. So yeah, that's dope. Got a 5712R. Nice. Uh, Tiso PRX is my birthday watch uh, that I got a couple years ago. So, man, been rocking with it ever since. Uh, Epijorn uh, Titolite Elegante. Woo! Um, this is uh, my my nickname, the 80s nickname for my wife and daughter is Elegante and Little Elegante. So, <laughs> he says I have three Elegantes. Um, but, yeah. I'm wearing this evening a, a vintage Nautilus. Um, this is my favorite reference in Nautilus, 3800. Uh, two-tone from the 90s, uh, which was my era, the era I came up in, golden era of hip-hop. Uh, and I, I acquired this watch this year with the help of a friend, a uh, vintage dealer, um, and just a really good, really good guy. We actually had him on our show, Wrist Check Podcast. Uh, Mr. Eric Wind um, helped me acquire this, and I very rarely take it off now these days. This is, this is I think this is my forever watch. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I know we, we talked a lot. Did anybody have any questions or anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, can, Perry, uh, we got a little time for a Q and A. Yeah, and then afterwards, make sure we mingle at the uh, get the empanadas and. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, I'm sorry. And then before uh, uh, Perry has brought down some really dope watch cases. Uh, we don't have a lot, but they are available for sale. Um, so you know, definitely check them out. Dope product. So. Yep. Um, and also, too, we have, again, um, Encanto Suites, and then we have one Ken who uh, came and supported. So uh, thank you for everybody who came out. I want to touch real everything. quick. You had a question? Yeah. Good question. Mm. I think you shared that already. Right? Yeah, the my Snoopy. Um, <laughs> either one of you guys want to take that one? Uh, the 45th anniversary. The one that got away. I, I, I got it. Okay. Uh, I had a, a Zenith, um, all gold Zenith Daytona. And it was an inverted six with an upside down 30. Oh, black wow. Dial, yes. <laughs> box papers, tissue papers, receipts. <laughs> everything. The bag it came in from the original owner. It was starting to oxidize. And that was early on when I started buying wow. and selling watches, made a quick profit. I sold it to someone that I knew I could at least know where it was at. He was going to keep it. I've offered him uh, two and a half times what I sold it to him for already many times. And he just smiles at me. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing pretty good on that. Okay. <laughs> um, I have one. So I don't, I don't have a, a one that got away in the sense of I didn't purchase. I have a watch that I actually purchased that I let go of that I regret. Um, I had a 18239 uh, white gold uh, day date with original papers from Japan, unpolished. Mm. I came across it through a friend and uh, very, very lucky. I got it for pennies of what it should have cost. And um, I used it to help me get my forever watch, but I still miss it. Uh, it was a good, good piece. I wish I could have uh, figured something else out, but it helped me get where I am now. So, 
Um, I want to say thank you again. Um, where can the people get in touch with CP Time? Uh, official CP Time uh, on Instagram. We also have our website, which launched a few weeks ago. Um, all our meetups, uh, so these events are going to be run through that website. So uh, if this is something you, you enjoy, uh, you know, we've kind of we switch up the formats every once. So this was panel format. Mm -hmm. uh, we usually try to have some bit of education, obviously a lot of chopping it up and hanging out. But the website, uh, officialcptime.com, uh, Instagram is at officialcptime. And watch your wrist. Where can uh, people get in contact with you? So we have uh, some cards over there. There's QR code. You scan that, it'll take you to all everything. Our, our Instagram is Watch Your Wrist LLC, website WYWATL. Um, and I, I will mention too, we have a retail location coming uh, early next year. Right now, we're just working out a private office in Alpharetta. So awesome. Looking Congrats that. And our friends at Encanto Suites, if you haven't checked it out, they do have a QR code there on the table uh, where you can leave a tip and also get their information. Uh, my name is Perry from the Risk Check Podcast. Me and my team came down here from New York City. Uh, you can find us just by going to riskcheckpodcast.com. We are 66 episodes in right now. Uh, we interview watch insiders, collectors. Uh, we do watch-related reviews. And uh, Al just mentioned we do have uh, some watch cases we brought down. We did a collaboration with Wolf that was design designed by my co-host there, Ben, who just came in. Uh, so they are here for sale. You can buy some of the ones we have here. You can also place an order with us and we'll ship it to you. I uh, want to thank you all again. And a uh, big shout out to Atlanta Watch Society yes. for helping us set yes. this up. Thank, thank you, you so much. Yeah.